Okay, what we're going to do in this series is to look at justice, right? And that word justice is, is a big word, right? It can mean so many different things. My idea, when I first think of justice, I think of like superheroes and villains. I don't know why. I, that's just what I think about, okay? So superheroes and villains is what comes to my mind, like Superman, Batman, that type of thing. And we're going to come back to the idea of justice in, in just a minute, but for now, let's talk about the word love. And I want, to, I want you, how many of you are readers? Just raise your hand if, you're, if you like to read. So whether you're into love stories or not, there's something about them that we can all relate to. We, we all want to feel loved by other people, right? That's something that all of us want to, to have is we want to, be, we want to be loved by people. And sometimes that type of feeling forces us to act and say things that we normally wouldn't do, but to be accepted, we want to do those things. And these extreme gestures of love, when we, when we look at the stories, right, and we look at the books, how many of you have read a book that you saw like an extreme thing that somebody went to because of they love the other character in the book? Those happen in books a lot, and sometimes they are portrayed in books and in movies, and sometimes we, we see them happen in real life too, my real life happening of this uh, was when I was in high school, and I wanted to ask this girl to homecoming, okay? And so I thought it'd be really cool to, like, use her backyard, and I, her mom, like, let me decorate her backyard, and I used tiki torches and, like, made, like, a beach theme. And that's a lot of effort for me, okay? That's a lot. I spent, like, four hours with me and my friends decorating her backyard. I was expecting her to like walk out and you see all these videos where they like walk out and they like start crying and they you know and they like they can't even respond because they're so happy. Well, she said yes and she would go with me, but she didn't like cry nothing. No. She's like, "Wow." And I was like, "Okay, I don't even want to go with you anymore." I'm So So stay with me. Sometimes we do ridiculous things for love, right? Sometimes we do things that seem just so out there that it doesn't make sense. And not so ridiculous truth underneath these ridiculous gestures, though. Deep down, we all have to understand that love isn't just an emotion that you feel. It's not just an emotion that you feel. It's not just a word that you say. You can't just say, I love you to somebody and not have anything else behind it, right? It doesn't mean anything if you just say it. Love is something you demonstrate with your actions. Love has to be demonstrated both with words and also with actions, right? People that you care about, you have to show that you care about them or they don't think or they'll know that you won't care about them. But sometimes the people that we love don't do this very well. And I'm talking about friends, family, things like that, and at least not in our opinions. Sometimes the people who are supposed to love us don't show it with their actions. And that's all hap that's happened to all of us. Have you ever wanted to get even with someone who hurt you? Somebody that made you feel really terrible and you just had that feeling you're like I just I don't care what happens. I just want to get back at this person. So it's only fair if they experience some pain in return. They hurt me, so I get to hurt them, eye for an eye type of thinking. And I, I get it. I've been there. I've been in that position before. My family, my parents were struggling with if they were going to stay together or not, right? I was so angry at both of my parents. I was horribly angry because of the unknown idea 
what would I do, right? What, what would I do? What was going to happen? And I was so angry at them for not, not a long time did I not talk to them, but it was really difficult for me to talk to them, right? You know when you're like mad at someone, you try to have a conversation, and it's like you have to drag it out of you because you really don't even want to be in there? And that's where I was because I was so hurt by two people that loved, that I know, knew, and still know, that loved me a lot. And, and I was so hurt by that. And I just wanted, my revenge was going to be, I'm not going to have anything to do with you because I'm just angry, right? And so when we're hurt, we want revenge. We want consequences. We want justice. We want, you hurt me, now you got to pay, right? That type of thing. And so we're going to look at that idea and, and look at the idea of what that type of love may look like. When you think of justice, and I don't want like everybody going all at once, right? But like when you think of justice, what is one word or phrase that pops into your head? Yes, Evelyn? Cops, police, police officers, justice, okay. Court, okay. Superheroes, same thing, right? Talking about justice can be tough. There's a lot more forms than we think, right? We can, when we try to define, many of us will do it as a punishment, right? Revenge, a trend. Um, some see justice as a trendy term that gets thrown around in politics and protests or on social media, right? We see all of those. Sometimes our desire for justice is well-intentioned, right? We want to see change and we want to see things be for the better. And so we get involved in these activities, in these forms of justice that we're interested in. There's a saying, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. Anybody, anybody ever heard that before? Think about it, though. An eye for an eye, and the eye for an eye comes back all the way back from the Bible, actually, in the Old Testament, where that used to be, you hurt somebody, the trade-off is there, right? And so, but an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. It's a reminder when we're all trying to get revenge, every time we're hurt, the cycle never ends, right? So if we're trying to get revenge every time we're hurt, it's just a continuous cycle because you're never, it's going to happen more than one time where you're going to be hurt by people that love you and that you love. When you think about that, eventually, if it's eye for an eye, yeah, the whole world is going to be blind because it's everyone's going to be trying to get revenge on each other. For the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what God says justice is and isn't. And there's clear separation between the two. And we'll see what justice and love have to do with each other, where they come into play, because they do both go hand in hand, and they have to be together to have real justice. We're going to look at the story about a guy named Joseph, and Joseph was the second youngest sibling in a family. So Joseph was the second youngest sibling in a family with 11 brothers, 11 brothers. As one of the younger of the bunch, the Bible seems to suggest Joseph was kind of a tattletale. And being the younger sibling, sometimes that happens, right? His father, and being an older sibling, that never happened. I was never Joseph to keep an eye on his older brothers. He usually would ask him, hey, make sure they're not getting anything crazy, right? So Joseph's older brothers were actually his half-brothers. So he was a part of a blended family. Um, And Joseph and his younger brother, Benjamin, had a different mother than their older brothers. And this created some serious sibling rivalry, right? Back and forth all the time. Joseph's brothers were convinced that their father, and try to stay with me here, it's a big, okay, their father Jacob loved Joseph more than any of them. So Joseph's brothers thought that Jacob, or I'm sorry, that Jacob was, Joseph was the favorite of Jacob, okay? And so usually that would create like an us versus them in their family, which is not easy. 
So don't we all want to be a part, though, of a family or a friend group in which there is unconditional love? Like nobody ever judges, nobody ever thinks harshly of you. They, they love you for who you are, and that's what they get, and they're, and they're happy with that, right? All of us want to be accepted in that way, free from prejudice, free from biases, free from favoritism. But Jacob didn't do that. He allowed his personal preferences to impact how he loved his children. That really caused some issues with Joseph and his brothers. Many believe Jacob preferred Joseph simply because he liked Joseph's birth mother better than the other mother of his children. That's kind of rough, right? If like not only were you told that the other brother was the favorite, you're also told that dad doesn't like your mom as much as he likes the other mom of the other kid. So yeah, that's kind of that's brutal. But whatever the reason, Joseph's dad created an unhealthy family dynamic. It was not balanced. It was not really nice ever. And to be honest, Joseph didn't help the situation though. And we're going to see how he kind of added to the unhealthiness because he did he liked to stir the pot um, and so that's what we're going to look at here we're going to read genesis 37 1 through 11 meanwhile joseph or i'm sorry meanwhile jacob had settled down where his father had lived the the land of canaan the story continues with joseph 17 years old at the time helping out his brothers and herding the flocks these were his half brothers actually the sons of his father's wives bilhah and zilphah and Joseph brought his father's bad reports on them. Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the child of his old age, and he made him an elaborately embroidered coat. When, he, when his brothers realized that their father loved him more than them, they grew to hate him. They wouldn't even speak to him. Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said, listen to this dream I had. We were all out in the field gathering bundles of wheat. All of a sudden, my bundle stood straight up, and your bundle circled around and it bowed down to mine. His brother said, so you're going to rule us? You're going to boss us around? And they hated him more than ever because of his dreams and the way he talked. Don't you ever get like that with your sibling? Like even when they, their voice just like sends you for whatever reason. I, and like I'll get, I used to get irritated and, and then I'd like go back and I'd be like, why was I even, she was just literally not even trying to annoy me just then. I just, she was speaking and it made me, but let's continue. He had another dream and told this one also to his brothers. I dreamed another dream. So again, stirring the pot, right? He knew the first time it didn't go well um, with his brothers about telling him about the dream. And now he's like, I had another dream. I can't wait to tell him, like acting all innocent. I just want to tell you about my dream, that type of trick. You guys know what I'm talking about. That's what he did. When he told it to his father and brothers, his father reprimanded him. What's with all this dreaming? Am I and your mother and your brothers all supposed to bow down to you? Now his brothers were really jealous, but his father brooded over the whole business. So um, in the second dream, he says, I dreamed another dream. The sun and the moon and 11 stars bowed down to me. So first he said, all of you, my brothers, are going to bow down to me right? That's what that dream is representative of. And then he says, I had another dream, and the sun and, 11, or sun and moon and 11 stars bowed down to me. So now he's like going beyond just his brothers. Now he's going big time, right? A lot of people. In Joseph's dreams, God revealed some important things, but 
Joseph kind of like just flexed on everybody. I had these dreams. You guys are all bowing down to me. Might as well just put me in charge now. I'm the best. You're the worst. That kind of thing. The problem wasn't that Joseph had these dreams. That wasn't the issue. It was the way he bragged about his dreams, right? The way he shared his dreams with his brothers when with his brothers lacked love, right? And so he already knew his brothers probably didn't like him. That was obvious. And so now he has these dreams and he says, hey, this is what I got, right? How, I, I, can tell, I can't tell you how many times I used to do this all the time. Like I would go somewhere by myself with my mom or dad and I'd come back and I would have gotten like an ice cream cone or something and I would like save some of it, a little bit of it, so I could walk into the house with it and, show, and like walk right in front of my sister like with the ice cream cone, like look, just like, you know, just looking right in the eye and then, you know, and just let her know, I'm still here. You may be younger, maybe a little cuter, but I, I am, um, you know, still here. So that's the issue that Joseph was doing, right? He was kind of bragging and, and pointing that out to his brothers and that didn't go off well. Jacob's favoritism had created that issue right? Joseph was arrogant and insensitive. That created an issue. But justice can't be the same thing as revenge, like we talked about. If everyone in Joseph's family who had been hurt tried to take revenge on each other, it would never end. And, and over the course of these weeks, we're going to see what does take place in this story and how it turns out. But their family didn't need more vengeance, right? They needed more love, but not the kind that was communicated by words, the kind that was shown by their actions towards one another. And so that's why tonight's main idea is justice is love in action. Justice has to be love in action, not in words. You can't say, I support you or I I love you, and then just not show it, right? Because then people kind of catch on to that, like Joseph's brothers, they knew they weren't the favorite. They knew their dad, you know, Jacob could have said it as many times as he wanted. No, everybody's even. I love all of you, right? But they knew, and we're going to kind of look at that here. But 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 7 is another Bible verse. Paul talks about love and is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite verses, set of verses in the New Testament. But really, the, the reason it is is because how he describes it. And I just want you to hear it. So 13, 1 through 7, 1 Corinthians. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I am nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate, by far one of the worst noises on planet Earth. So there you go. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor, and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So again, that's a serious thing. That, I mean, think about what I just said. If, I, if you gave everything that you owned, every single item, which none of us would probably do, if we gave every single item that we own to the poor, which would leave us with nothing, and we were willing to be a martyr so much that we would go to the stake to die, to be burned alive. And it says, if you don't love, you have nothing. 
So I'll continue. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel with others' grovel, which just means like putting your nose in their business, okay? Takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. When I think about that description of love and what true love really looks like, I'm not very good at it, right? Because when you look at all of those things, I, I kind of like stumble multiple times in there. And, I, and then I think maybe, maybe you're in there with me. Man, am I really loving well enough? Like, am I really doing it to the full extent that I can? Because if you ask me just like off the cuff on any normal day, I would say, yeah, sure, right? But then you bring up these things and you're like, well, maybe not. Joseph was like a clanging cymbal to his brothers. In, in another translation, there's a, it says that where it talked about the uh, creaking of a rusty gate. In another translation, it says he was, his voice was like the clanging of a cymbal. Also, not like a really great on its own not a great noise, right? He could see the future, but without love, this dream meant nothing to his brothers. In fact, they grew to hate Joseph. They, they, they hated him. And so you may not have 11 brothers who hate you. I hope not, like Joseph did, but I know you know what it's like to be hurt by people that you care about. I know every single person in this room at some point or another has been hurt by people that they love and that they think love them. And that's just the reality of it. And I'm not taking anything away from that, right? Because that's real and that happened and we have to recognize that. Too often it's easier to act unjustly than it is to act with love, right? So, so many times when we get hurt, or we get made fun of, or we get, the first thing we want to do is react, right? The first thing we want to do is that, okay? But when you look at what Paul said in that letter, love doesn't fly off the handle. Wait, before I react to this, and because it, it hurt my feelings, and it hurt me, and I didn't like it, before I react, am I about to fly off the handle? Because Paul says, real love doesn't do that. What ways do you need to choose love instead of revenge, right? And not just your relationships with family um, or friends or whatever, but with the people around you in your community. Are you like Joseph? Are you creating conflict with others? Are you the person that likes to be involved in the drama of things that are happening? Do you like, do you thrive on that because of your lack of love in your own heart? Because what it comes down to, really, and I'm not talking to you here, I'm talking with you. When you are enjoying those moments where you're a part of something that hurts somebody else, or you're even willing to be a part of the things that are said that hurt somebody else, you're missing 
so much love and, and good stuff in your heart. Like you're just missing it completely. And I can say that because I've been there. Like I, you guys know plenty of times where I've talked about the person that I was when I was like that. And it was, I, I was missing a lot. So are you that person where you like to be in the center of all those things? And you may say, like you're in your chair, no, that's not me, but be honest with yourself. I'm not making anybody raise your hand. Like think in your mind, am I that person that likes me when people who have issues socially, I like to make them feel even worse and make them really feel like they, you, you really are weird, right? Or people that are self-conscious about the way they look and, and you really like to make them feel like, you're right, you're really not great at all. You have nothing going for you, right? Or people that aren't as talented as you in your hobby or your sport and you really like to make them feel like they're, why are you even doing this? Why are you even picking that up, right? Are you that person? What about in your community? What ways can we show love to our school, our neighborhood? Even if you didn't cause the problem, right? Because not all of us are at, at the center of every problem. How can you put love into action and help solve it, right? Sometimes, and I'm just going to be honest, sometimes it's as easy as telling someone, hey, I don't know what happened, but I, I'm here for you if you need, right? Like, it's just, it's that easy. Somebody that's dealing with something that somebody else did that hurt them, and you just making them feel like they're a part of something. Instead of, you're not my friend, so I'm not going to help you. Is there a conflict where you need, where you can help restore the peace, right? Maybe you have two friends that are arguing, that are butting heads right now. And you know you could help, but you might hurt both of their feelings, but you know at the end it's going to help, right? Can you be that person? Is there a need that you can help meet there? In the world, in Joseph's family, his father, Jacob's favoritism and brokenness caused conflict and division between Joseph and his brothers. When you look at the world, when we look at the world around us, do you see conflict and division there too? You can just shake your head yes or no. You can just go up and down or side to side. Yes. Yes, there is conflict and division throughout our world. And it's been magnified lately for whatever reason. Throughout history, there have been leaders who had dreams for the world that were rooted in God's justice and love especially when hatred and division have been common denominators, right? In the United States, in the 1950s and the 1960s, we saw a historic movement that fought against racial injustice that was happening in the United States. Um, there was a giant movement in, in that time. It was led by Dr. Martin Luther King. And everybody knows, right, who that is. Okay, everybody knows who that is, but the most famous was Dr. Martin Luther King in that movement. He wasn't the only one, but he was the one that we know about more than others. He was, the, he was a pastor. How many of you knew that Dr. Martin Luther King was a pastor? Yep, he was a pastor who had a God-given dream and knew how to share it in love. Not in the way that was arrogant or self-serving. We have a video, I think. The computer died. 
Okay. So everybody has seen this speech, right? And in the speech, Dr. Martin Luther King talks about a dream that he has where this country would not be against each other but help each other. And his speech inspired people to fight for justice by turning their love for other people. Instead of just saying, I care about those people or that person or you, his speech caused people to turn it into action. So what's your dream, right? What would be your dream for the people around you, within your family, within your friend group, within your school, within your community? Where do you want to see more love and less hatred? And you don't have to wait for God to speak to you in your sleep. You can start dreaming now, right? You can start thinking about those things now. What if you wrote a kind you know, like text or something to someone that you disagree a lot with, right? Say, hey, I know we have our different opinions. And I, and I, you guys, like the way I say it, you guys would never say it, and I get that. But you know a way that you can say to somebody that you don't always agree with, hey, we're still cool even though we don't agree. Like, again, I know you wouldn't text it in that way, but because you guys are hip and I'm not and that kind of thing. But you know ways that you can tell people that you disagree with or have this issue with that it's okay. I don't hate you or dislike you because of it, right? Or we have been having that issue, but I don't want to have it anymore. I don't want to be living that way anymore. Maybe you could try to find common ground with someone who seems different than you, right? Again, I shared that story a couple weeks ago about my friend Martin, right? Never would have thought in a million years that I would be best friends with Martin, but here we are, right? There's so much that we had in common, and all it took was me stepping out and saying, I do want to get to know you, right? Maybe you can go, you know, help uh, somebody in your neighborhood that needs to clean things out of their yard. I don't know. Things that you can do to show people that you care about them, that are around you, other than words, right? And the main thing I want you to remember out of that message that Paul wrote out of Corinthians, again, and I'm going to read all these again just so you can maybe pick up on one or more than one that you need to work on. For me, it's more than one. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. I need to work on that one. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. I need to work on that one. Love doesn't strut. Probably need to work on that one. Doesn't have a swelled head. Need to work on that one. Doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always me first. Doesn't fly off the handle. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. And as we go through this list, you can probably, like me, I'm not going to continue to say I need to work on that one, but it's like every one, right? And maybe that's where we're at with our love practicing, and that's okay because that's the important part is that you see that you're not doing well in that area of your life, and you say, but I want to do better. Or maybe you're just that person that you just don't care. And my prayer for you is that you feel 
the, th the hurt that's happened to you, and that makes you want to change. Because that was me. I was the person. I'm like, I don't care what you're, I don't care. But then I thought about all the times that I was hurt in my life. The person that was always hurting everybody else took a second to look in the mirror and think about the times where I've been hurt because it's happened. And I'm like, I don't want to do this to people anymore, right? I don't want to hurt people just because I think about me first all the time. So think about what Paul says and know that if you're struggling with love, that people have been struggling since a church in Corinth and before that. We look at Joseph's family. I mean, it was jacked up, okay? That's pretty messed up. That his own dad would say to his other brothers, hey, I like this. I like Joseph better, and his mom's cooler than yours, so, right? I mean, that's, so if you're struggling with that, it's happened for so long. You're not alone in that. And I hope that this place in your small group can be a place where you can get better at, at showing love through action, right? I'm going to wrap up with um, this idea. Um, and in your small group, before you go to small group, you're going to have um, your leaders can grab sheets um, that are going to be back there. That it's going to it's going to just like a little dream box, and you're just going to write a dream that you have in what we've talked about. Okay, um, so you're going to take those to small group. But I'm going to finish and close with this idea. Although Joseph selfishly mishandled his dream, which he did, going and telling and bragging about each of them, the message of that dream was rooted in love and justice. Joseph just missed it completely. And we're all probably guilty of that at one time or another, where, like, there is something good that we could do, but we miss it because we're focused on ourselves. Right? We miss it because we're focused on me first before you. So in the next few weeks, we're going to discover more about what Joseph's dream meant. Um, but for now, we'll just keep asking this question. If justice is love and action, how can my actions demonstrate more of God's love? The love that Paul describes here is that love. How can you and your actions represent that love to people. Because right now, more than ever, probably, people need to feel that from others just because, right? No strings attached. No, you're like me, so I like you, and they're different than us, so we don't like them. No, it's just, hey, you're somebody else, and I care about you on that level, right? Because you were created just like me, by God, I care about you. Do we have to have all the same ideas and opinions? Nope. But I care about you on that level because you were created by the same God that created me, and he loves both of us equally. And so I love you in that way, right? So think about that. I'm going to pray before we go to small group, small groups, and um, then we can meet back here before you go. All right, if you'll join with me and pray. God, we just um, come to you tonight uh, at the end of this message and this reminder um, that people need to 
not only hear love from other people, but see it through action, God, and feel it through actions and the way that we show our love to other people. Sometimes we think that just telling people we care about them is enough, right? Just telling mom and dad that we love them, but not showing it. Telling our siblings that we love them, but not showing it. Telling family members we love them, but not showing it. God, and I just ask that as we think about what we need to do better in the way of showing love, that we think about what Paul wrote in Corinthians, God, and the letter that he wrote to, to Corinth, and all those ways that we probably need to work on our love. And we're just so grateful that your grace is enough and big enough that it covers our mistakes where we fall short of that. And we're just so thankful of that because sometimes we may not be able to um, remind ourselves to say that enough, but we're so thankful that your grace covers where we fall short. I ask that you be with the conversations in small group, God, that they're, that they're useful and that people can feel connected and not be afraid of sharing where they fall short, that we can be authentic and go to each other for help and, and guidance. I pray all these things in your son's holy name. Amen.